After a week of speculation, Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taiwan, leading an American congressional delegation to the island sort of nation, nation question mark, despite Chinese warnings that doing so would spur an international crisis and possibly a war. Pelosi remained undeterred, declaring, we must stand by Taiwan. Okay, that would be all well and good, except the White House and the Pentagon immediately clarified that the United States does not, in fact, stand by Taiwan. Admiral, uh, one on uh, Taiwan, if you would, and one on the Middle East very quickly. You keep telling us that U.S. policy hasn't changed and that the United States does not support an independent Taiwan. And yet, if we look at what Speaker Pelosi tweeted from the ground in Taiwan, her post actually states, quote, America stands with Taiwan. We all know that Taiwan harbors uh, ambitions toward independence. When the Speaker of the House says, we stand with Taiwan, America stands with Taiwan, how can the Chinese construe that as anything else but that you're supporting independence? I'll let the Speaker speak for herself. Um, all I can tell you, James, is what I told you yesterday, uh, and I'm happy to repeat it. Nothing has changed about our adherence to the One China policy. Nothing has changed about uh, our stance on Taiwan independence, which is that we do not support Taiwan independence. Oh, I'll let the speaker speak for herself. I'll let the leader of the House of Representatives say whatever nonsense she wants. But I here at the Pentagon, I here in the permanent bureaucracy, I here in the deep state, I'm telling you, we do not support Taiwan. And, and frankly, to be fairer, I here speaking on behalf of the Biden administration, on behalf of the White House, say we do not support Taiwan. Americans have differences of opinion on what America's role should be in the world. Conservatives actually have differences of opinion on what America's role should be in the world. Reasonable people might differ over the wisdom of Pelosi's trip. But regardless of what one thinks about Taiwan and China or isolationism versus interventionism or whatever, this is the worst of all possible strategies. Because everybody knows Joe Biden is not going to defend Taiwan against Chinese aggression. Everyone knows it, A, because Joe Biden is weak and projects weakness everywhere around the world. But B, because he just told them. He said that in no uncertain terms. So now Nancy Pelosi has provoked China, a nuclear borderline superpower that manufactures all of our stuff and owns a trillion dollars of our debt with zero potential upside. I keep trying to convince myself that I'm missing something here. What is it? Surely I am missing something here. Surely this must be some sort of high stakes game of good cop, bad cop, right? Biden, he's the, he's the good cop and Pelosi's playing the bad cop and they're, they're really working China. But everywhere I look, I only see downside. Nancy Pelosi may or may not want to stand with Taiwan, but our president, the leader of her party and of the country does not. And the Pentagon does not. And all the rest of the people who matter and who will actually make the important decisions do not. So what are we getting here? We're getting, we're getting all the provocation without any of the payoff. Teddy Roosevelt told Americans to speak softly and carry a big stick. Ronald Reagan gave us peace through strength. Now, Biden and Pelosi are giving us saber rattling and certain surrender. Not 
a great recipe for peace or prosperity. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Jacob Eby, who says, can we get do not squish stress balls shaped like each of the squishy Republicans in the DW shop? I would love that so much. That is such a good idea. You won't get any royalties, but you will get my gratitude. Whoever's listening from the DW shop, make this happen. I want a little tiny Mitt Romney head that I can just go whenever I'm getting really angry, you know, and the producers are yelling and screaming and not doing their job. And I'm just going to squeeze Liz Cheney's head. I'm just going to squeeze all those squishy Republicans. Adam Kinzinger, that's going to be really, really nice. When I want to protect not just my blood pressure, but the appliances in my home. Do you know what I look toward? American Home Shield. Head on over to ahs.com slash Knowles. Now more than ever, it is very important to keep your budget in check. You can do that with American Home Shield. They offer a great choice of three plans to help cover the cost to repair or replace parts of your major home systems and appliances, both new and old. We're talking HVAC systems, plumbing, kitchen appliances. Their plans help protect parts of up to 23 essential home systems and appliances. Electronics coverage is available for an unlimited number of eligible items, such as smartwatches, flat screen TVs, and more. Other options include roof leak repair and pool and spa coverage. Coverage is available no matter how old your systems and appliances are. Plus, they're offering an exclusive $50 off for our listeners. I love it. I Absolutely, you need to do the responsible thing. Protect your wallet, protect your home and your appliances. Keep your home up and running and your budget on track with American Home Shield. Right now, our listeners can take $50 off their most comprehensive plans. That is at ahs.com slash Knowles to save 50 bucks. ahs.com slash Knowles, 50 bucks off any plan. American Home Shield, be sure with the shield. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, she is a clever politician. She's shri- Even if she doesn't do good things, she doesn't. She only does bad things for our country. Even if she does things that are incomprehensible and inscrutable, she's really tough to pin down. She has been able to remain in the leadership of the Democrat Party forever. There are photos of this woman from JFK's inauguration. This woman has been around a long time, and she's even been active in politics for a very, very long time. And Democrats want to emulate her. AOC just appeared on a a drag queen show to voice her support for the drag community. The people who change what people think are artists and drag queens. And let's not forget who threw that first break at Stonewall. You know, that is what led to us passing the Equality Act in the House in this term, marriage equality. It starts with you. I mean, you're patriots. You are. You are. You are patriots. And I'm so proud of you all. I'm so proud to live in this country with you and with your mother and with all of us as family. Thank you, Thank you girl. We love you. Okay, so AOC got the attention she was so obviously craving by appearing on that show. I'm talking about it. Some people are talking about it. Okay, she got what she wanted. She made a bunch of extremely stupid, radical sounding statements, and now we're talking about her, and she gets another 15 minutes of the news cycle. So, okay, it worked. It worked. What'd she say? She says, don't forget 
It was a drag queen who threw that first brick at Stonewall. Is it called Stonewall? Yeah. She, Stonewall, which is this gay bar. It was a mafia-run gay bar. And then the homosexuals and the transgenderists and all the other people at the bar decided to throw a riot one time when the cops broke up this mafia-run illegal bar. And she says, don't forget who threw that first brick. Don't forget who threw that first punch at a cop and threw a rock at a cop's head. Don't forget. How wonderful is that? That's right. It was a, a transvestite. How wonderful. They're the true patriots, right? So, okay, fine, fine. It sounds kind of radical. That's the, that's the surface level analysis of what AOC is doing here. The deeper level is what AOC is doing is not radical at all. Actually, she's just mimicking what Nancy Pelosi did, the exact same thing Nancy Pelosi did just a few months ago. Please give a warm drag race welcome to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Welcome back. My honor to be here to say to all of you how proud we all are of you. Thank you for the joy and beauty you bring to the world. Your freedom of expression of yourselves in drag is what America is all about. I say that all the time to my friends in drag. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's AOC just saw Nancy Pelosi on the same show and she thought, ah, damn, I'm supposed to be the radical one. I should get the attention. And then she goes on the same show and says virtually the exact same things. And it's so clear. We talk about AOC is the crazy radical. She's transforming the party. Ilhan Omar, oh my gosh, we've never seen anything like this. What are you talking about? You people are nothing compared to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi has been leading this kind of radicalism for a long, long time. And the problems that we see in the Democratic Party have been going on a long, long time. I know a lot of people are just waking up to it now. They're saying, oh my gosh, the Democrats are trying to trans our kids. Oh my gosh, what the heck? Where did these woke people come from? They have been gradually, consistently, determinedly doing this for more than half a century now. Where have you been? Probably where a lot of people have been is calling the conservatives who have accurately warned about this every step of the way, who have accurately warned about the slippery slope. Probably a lot of the people waking up now have been making fun of those conservatives. Oh, you crazy alarmists. Oh, here we go again. This is the slippery slope argument. And if we allow this thing next, we're going to allow, I don't know, pedophilia and transing the kids. And oh, come on, you crazy nuts. And the conservatives have been right at every single step of the way. This is not new. AOC is nothing. AOC is a purely derivative wish.com version of Nancy Pelosi and and other Democrats who have been leading this radicalism for more than half a century at this point. And the slippery slope has accelerated dramatically. Let's just look at the last three, four years. And let's just look specifically on this issue of drag queens. The big story starting around 2017-ish was Drag Queen Story Hour. A bunch of drag queens, a number of whom were uh, convicted sex offenders and child molesters, show up to the public library and read in in all sorts of weird, creepy sexual costumes and read books for little kids. What could possibly go wrong? But the defense at the time was, these drag queens aren't teaching little kids to be drag queens. No, they're just reading books 
in silly costumes. Get over yourselves. That's, that's crazy. You guys are fear-mongering where there's no reason to do that. And now the a New York library is hosting an event for uh, little kids, little kids up to teenagers, uh, 11 to 18-year-olds called Learn the Art of Drag. Right Again, you, I actually hate to say I told you so in this case, the slippery slope, we just keep on slipping until we're going to be about seven, seven circles of hell below Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, when I want to protect my community, when I want to protect my kids, when I want to protect my whole home, where do I look to? I look to Ring. Right now, head on over to ring.com slash Knowles. Summer is very, very busy. People are going all over the place. A lot of people are going on vacation. I just had my second little baby boy, so I was away from home. I was in the hospital for a few days. We're going to be moving all over the place. want to make sure that my home and my family are protected. That's why you need a ring. You all know about Ring's video doorbell where you can see and speak to whoever is at your doorstep no matter where you are in the world. Did you know that Ring has an alarm system? Maybe you've heard about it. Ring alarm, it's fabulous. You can keep track of your doors, your windows, everything in your physical home. Well, did you know that Ring alarm has gone pro? That's right. Ring Alarm Pro is, in the words of CNET, a giant leap for home security because it protects not only your physical home, but your digital home too. It combines a security system with a fast Eero Wi-Fi 6 router for home security and network security in one device. We live so much of our lives in the virtual world. Make sure you protect that as well as your physical home. This busy summer season to protect your home, you got to go pro. Be a pro. Be like me, okay? Get Ring Alarm Pro Learn more at ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. An upstate New York County library has just hosted four events. The events were for 11 to 18-year-olds, and the events were to, quote, learn the art of drag from a local drag queen. We went from drag queens reading the kid, reading unrelated books, non-sexual books to little kids to teaching little kids how to twerk and jiggle and strut and put, put on sexual performances in cross-sex clothing in about four, four or five years. That's how quickly that happened. What is drag? Drag is when you put on a caricature, a hyper-sexualized version of women's clothing when you are a man and you dance around in a very sexually provocative way. That's what drag is. It is intrinsically sexual and obscene. And grown pervert men are now going to the library on a taxpayer dime to teach 11-year-olds how to do that, presumably for their own sexual pleasure and gratification and the pleasure and gratification of the weirdo adults who attend these shows. It took like five years. Forget about Drag Queen Story Hour for a second. We went from pretty much no one even talking about transgenderism in 2012. Was transgenderism an issue in 2012? I don't really remember it being one. To 11-year-olds putting on drag queen sex, sexual performance shows in 10 years. Forget about that. Forget about the transvestitism at all for a second. In 2011, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton said marriage is a sacred union between a man and a woman, and gay marriage or same-sex marriage is completely unthinkable. To transing the kids and putting on sexualized drag shows performed by 11-year-olds within 11 years. 
11 years. Obergefell was in 2015. That was seven years ago. This happened really, really fast. The slippery slope slipped faster even than the most alarmist conservatives would have predicted a decade ago. And it's not even just the kids learning how to do the little dances for the pervert adults in the auditorium. The kids are now learning that they can they can make money by putting on those shows. There was a, quote, family-friendly drag show in Palm Springs, California, that taught the little kids how to make money by jiggling and shimmying around in stiletto heels and provocative clothing. So we, we've blurred the kids' faces out, obviously. This, uh, this video coming from Libs of TikTok, there you got the little kids putting on the, the drag show with some gigantic pervert man in a thong dancing and strutting around him. And then the adults are throwing dollar bills at the kid. And the man is sticking his derriere out. Can't tell, is that a man or a woman? Can't tell, don't know, don't really want to know. Look at all those adults clapping like seals. Look at all that money you just made. Good job. Strut around. Oh, there's a different drag queen saying, look, don't, don't, don't forget all that money. Pick up that money like a prostitute. Pick it up like a stripper off the ground. That's right. Little tiny child. That's right. And maybe you come back up here. If you want to make a little bit more money, maybe you can jiggle for these pervert adults a little bit more, huh? It, it makes it even worse. The money part makes it even worse. It's, uh, I, I'm going to be a communist by the, by the end of this social revolution. I'm going to, because if this is capitalism, if, if capitalism taken to its extreme degree is paying little kids to put on sex shows for perverts in Palm Springs, then let's knock it down. Workers of the world unite, soak the rich, take the money. Let's, I, whatever it is, this is so, so wrong and creepy. And it's, it actually is a little bit of a capitalist problem. It actually is a little bit of a free market problem. I mean, all of the people pushing this are far left-wingers and commies and pinkos and weirdos. But, but the people who let this happen often did so in the name of free markets and the free marketplace of ideas and capitalism. So often you heard people say, listen, Look, we have the the public library. This is a free, neutral space where we can say whatever we want. We have viewpoint neutrality, and it's absolutely fine. Very few people are going to show up to Drag Queen Story Hour events, but if they want to, that's totally fine. Listen, I'm pretty sure if companies get woke, they're going to go broke, but... Uh, you know, they, we can never interfere in the marketplace to say that this is not allowed. We can absolutely not. No regulation whatsoever. We can't have governments regulating drag queens and performances. Oh, that's big government. We got to get big government out of our life. No, I, I, if, if stopping little kids from putting on sexual performances for perverts, if that is big government, then call me Joseph freaking Stalin, man, because I want government big enough to at least do that. But of course, this was always a psyop. This was always a a ridiculous uh, uh, slogan that the conservatives adopted within the last 10 or 20 years, because conservatives are not for small government. Conservatives are not opposed to 
big government. Conservatives are for limited government. And we are against unlimited government. We're against totally arbitrary government. We're against tyranny. We're against the capricious use of power. But those are different things. Limited does not necessarily mean small. We have a country of 330 million people and we govern a global empire, whether we want to admit it or not. You cannot have small government in that kind of a system. It's not possible. It has not existed for well over 100, probably 150 years. If that, by the way, the the founding fathers that conservatives tend to, to like the most, George Washington, John Adams, Alexander Hamilton, those were not small government conservatives. They wanted a more energetic government. They just wanted it to be within certain limits. And absolutely, if protecting kids from being paid little dollar bills by perverts to put on weird sex shows for these adults in Palm Springs, if that does not fall within the just limits of government, then nothing does. Then there is is no government. Then we're living in anarcho-tyranny, which increasingly is what our government looks like. It's so pathetic. This this is somehow an even sadder story on the same topic. There was a girl. There's a 17-year-old girl who was at cheerleader camp, and she got choked out by a 25-year-old dude who dressed up like a woman and pretended that he was a woman and was at this cheerleader camp. Why was a 25-year-old dude, forget even a transvestite 25-year-old dude, why was any 25-year-old at a cheerleader camp with a 17-year-old? I don't know. Couldn't possibly tell you because we live in a weird culture. But the 25-year-old dude who dressed up like a chick was at this cheer camp, and the 17-year-old girl pointed out that he was a dude, allegedly, and then the 25-year-old dude choked out this little girl this underage teenage girl. And now, fortunately, the 25-year-old dude got booted out of the camp. He never should have been allowed in it in the first place. But now the father of the, of the girl is speaking out. And how is he speaking out? He's, he's fighting back against claims that his daughter is transphobic. I kid you not. I kid you not. He says, my daughter is 100% supportive of the trans community. I have a gay son, so don't tell me I'm effing homophobic. We're not, we're, we're very pro-trans. We just, we just don't want the transgender 25-year-old dudes at the little girls' cheer camp to choke out all the little girls, please. This is so sad. This, this is where we're at now. Hey, 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 I want to make one thing totally clear. After my daughter was, my teenage daughter was just victimized by this hulking pervert who should be locked away in a mental asylum. I just want to make one thing clear. We're very pro-trans. What? Why? Why are you pro-trans? You say, you, you use this word transphobic. Transphobia doesn't mean anything. Transphobia literally would mean the irrational fear of transgenderism. And it doesn't mean anything because people who are critical of transgenderism are not irrational. It's totally rational. (laughs) Transgenderism is irrational. Criticizing transgenderism is totally rational. And it's not a fear. We're just critical of it. We just say it's a mistake in anthropology and we reject it. So in as much as that's what transphobia means, everyone should be very, very transphobic. Everyone should be very critical of transgenderism and reject this mistake in anthropology entirely. And transphobia, as the libs use that term, should be encouraged, it should be normalized, and it should be enshrined in the law. And if even the conservatives, or if even the people who are victimized, who are most clearly victimized by transgenderism, are using this same kind of language and saying, no, no, please don't call me anti-trans, we are totally sunk, folks. You know, this summer, 
we launched Daily Wire Plus. This is our ever-expanding hub for all things Daily Wire, including movies, shows, podcasts, PragerU, kids content, which is coming soon. And last but not least, the formidable Jordan Peterson. In addition to Jordan's archive of content, you can also find his brand new podcasts and lecture series on Daily Wire Plus. We're even recontextualizing some of his works, including his Genesis lecture series, which was super popular, worldwide phenomenon that offered a compelling perspective on biblical stories that everyone thought that they knew. Well, it's now available in a readable collection with brand new illustrations. Jordan Peterson's lecture series explores the psychological significance of the biblical stories in the book of Genesis and how they affect us to this day. To watch and read the series and to access the entire archive of Jordan Peterson content, head on over to dailywireplus.com. Become a member today. That is dailywireplus.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. I want to get back to the international crisis in Taiwan and the economy and the migration crisis at the border, but I'm sorry, I'm getting breaking news. This is really urgent, important breaking news. The singer Demi Lovato has gone back from using they pronouns to using she pronouns. Demi, take it away. I've actually adopted the pronouns of she, her again. So for me, I'm such a fluid person that I don't really, I don't find that I am, I felt like, especially last year, my energy was balanced and my masculine and feminine energy. So that when I was faced with the choice of walking into a bathroom and it said women and men, I didn't feel like there was a bathroom for me because I didn't feel necessarily like a woman. I didn't feel like a man. Um, I just felt like a human. And that's what they, them is, is about for me. It's just about like feeling human at your core. Recently, I've been feeling more feminine. So I've adopted she, her again. But I think what's important is like, nobody's perfect. Everyone messes up pronouns at some point. And especially when people are learning, it's just all about respect. It is not a major news story when Hollywood celebrities say really stupid things and believe really kooky, bizarre, occult, new agey nonsense. It is sad when the entire culture goes along with it. That, that is really sad. We expect this of Hollywood celebrities through, through whom one can blow in the left ear and ha- see one's breath come out the right ear, generally speaking. We expect that. It's very sad when the entire culture and the leaders of our most powerful institutions all go along with that as well. How how sad is it <laughs> that we are living at a time where actress goes by she is a news story that people are talking about that's reported in a lot of newspapers. That's, that's really, really sad. Now, what, what Demi Lovato has just demonstrated is going to happen to a lot of people in the coming years. This is why the story, I think, really matters when we're looking ahead five or 10 years. Demi Lovato was swept up in this cultural craze of transgenderism, pretending that men and women don't really exist as discrete categories. And for a while, she, she changed the pronouns that she used. She changed the symbols that, that, that she uses and other people use to refer to her true self. And then she realized that was dumb and she switched back. And she admitted, okay, I made a mistake. That was dumb, but okay, call me a woman again. I, I know that I'm a woman again. Demi Lovato never chopped off her breasts. Demi Lovato never went, underwent some crazy surgery. Demi Lovato never went on 
cross-sex hormones or taking a lot of testosterone or anything like that. Demi Lovato didn't stop her puberty and permanently destroy her biochemistry and give herself osteoporosis at age nine, like it's happening right now to lots of kids. A lot of kids are being swept away in the same stupid social craze called transgenderism that Demi Lovato was swept away with, and Demi Lovato will face zero consequences from it. It was just a funny little PR stunt for a few months. For the kids who are looking to her, and and more importantly, looking to people who have even more cultural and political influence than her, and looking to the public health officials that are are pushing this on kids, and looking to the big pharma companies that are peddling this to little kids. Those kids are not going to get out so easy. Those kids are going to have lots of long-term health problems. They're all going to have intense psychological scarring, and their lives are in many ways going to be deeply damaged, if not ruined, because of this ideology. So it's funny. It's cool that Demi could try that on for a little bit, and ha, 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 okay, but now I'm a she again, tee, hee, hee. But what about the people who will have to pay the price? Hollywood never has to pay the price for anything. Real people do have to pay the price. What's going to happen to them? Speaking of Hollywood, really huge news for Liz Cheney. You know Liz Cheney, you know that principled Republican? That pr- she's a principled, true conservative. Unlike all the Republican Party politicians and the last Republican president and all the, all the actual right-wingers who vote for Republicans and conservative policies, uh, Liz Cheney, who is the face of the January 6th committee, Liz Cheney, who on every crucial matter squishes to the Democrats, she just got a major endorsement from Kevin Costner. That's right. Kevin Costner took a picture wearing a shirt saying, I I support Liz Cheney. And Liz posted this with a line. She says, real men put country over party. I'm not sure why this is a news story. Kevin Costner is a Hollywood liberal. I like Kevin Costner's work very much. He's an excellent actor. Kevin Costner is a liberal from Hollywood who supported Pete Buttigieg in 2020. Pete Buttigieg, my least favorite candidate. Hey guys. Hi there. Hi, I'm the reasonable one. So Kevin Costner supports Dems and and endorses Dems and campaigns for them. And now he's doing the same thing. He's just doing what he always does. He's supporting Democrats because Liz Cheney is a de facto Democrat. She has an R next to her name. And she'll even vote with the Republicans on issues that don't really matter, where her vote is not significant. But on crucial matters, where the vote really does matter, she sides with the Democrats. And she uses one of the dumbest slogans in politics, which is country over party. Squishes love this line, country over party, because it makes them feel really good about shiving all their supporters and constituents and fellow conservatives because they say, well, no, no, I've got to put country over party. People join political parties at least people with integrity, join political parties because they believe that the political party is best for the country. They think this political party is better than the other political party for the country, and that's why they join that party. If you believe that the other political party is better for the country, then you should join that other political party, unless you aspire to be a court jester, unless you aspire to be a squish, unless you aspire to be a hack and a sellout, in which case you would join the other party, but then on the important matters side with with your nominal opponents. Country over party. It's so empty. It's so meaningless. If, if Liz Cheney had integrity, she would just become a Democrat, officially. But she doesn't, so she squishes. And now she says, look, wow, guys, here's the proof that I'm, I've got a lot of integrity. Hollywood Democrats support me. Okay, wow, congratulations. Speaking of unlikable female politicians, there's <laughs> this story. I can't, this is such a New Jersey Democrat story. A New Jersey Democrat politician 
was just driving through an intersection. We actually have security camera footage of this. Driving through an intersection, she rams into a bicyclist, doesn't so much as slow down. And it's not like she didn't know what she did. She slams into this bicyclist. Thankfully, I think the bicyclist is okay. He's an Uber Eats driver. So he's just out there trying to do his job, delivering some sandwiches to to make a couple of bucks. And this Democrat politician rams him, doesn't slow down, doesn't stop, then waits six hours to report it. And then when it's reported, says she's not going to resign. This is Jersey City Councilman Amy DeGeese. And the reason the story matters is not just because it's kind of horrifying to look at and it's so, so, such a, just a crazy story in and of itself. The reason the story matters is because <laughs> it's just a perfect encapsulation of the Democrat party, right? The Democrats who pretend to be the party of the working class, we're the party of the everyman. They pretend to be the party of environmentalism. We're the party of bicycles. You should all just ride bicycles everywhere. Give up your cars. And then in reality, what do they do? It's these Democrats driving these big SUVs, literally running over workers and not even stopping. Ah, whatever. I, I'm late for my yoga class. I'm late. I want, I want to go get a juice before work. So sorry. Yeah, whatever. You'll be fine. It's a, it's a feeling of these people being above the law. Yeah, I know it's against the law to run people over and then not even stop or report it, but whatever. I'm a Democrat politician. I don't answer to the law. The law answers to me. And then at the very end, you see the the little cherry on top of the Democrat Sunday, the total refusal to accept responsibility. Well, the, the bicyclist shouldn't have been driving, shouldn't have been riding there. The bicyclist didn't have the light. By the way, it doesn't matter if the bicyclist doesn't have the light. Doesn't matter if the traffic light wasn't in the bicyclist's direction. Doesn't matter if a pedestrian doesn't have the light. If you were driving a car, you have to stop for the bicyclist. You have to stop for the pedestrian. You don't just get to run them over because the traffic light changed at the right time and so you think you have the right of way. You don't. You don't. And then no responsibility. And by the way, I don't know that this woman will have to resign. I I hope that my reporting on it will, will help to spur enough outrage here that this woman will be pressured to resign. But usually Democrats get away with this stuff scot-free. No one answers for this stuff. Who answered for the Russia hoax? The Russia hoax, Democrat politicians and deep state operatives caught in a massive, massive operation to spy on the Republican presidential candidate and then totally undermine his administration based on absolutely nothing, based on fabricated evidence. Who paid the price? Who's in jail for that? Can you, can you name a name? I can't. Actually, the people, the people who face the most dire consequences from that, they just had to retire and get their pension. That's it. I bet the Democrat politicians who played around on Jeffrey Epstein's island, let's take it all the way to the extreme. All those disproportionately Democrat liberal politicians who were palling around on creepy pedo island with Jeffrey Epstein, have any of them faced any consequences? No. Even Ghislaine Maxwell, who is the the madam is not really facing consequences. She was just transferred to a low security prison in, in Florida. No consequences. None whatsoever. Speaking of violence and lawlessness and consequences, there's a feel-good story of the day coming out of Norco, California. Norco, California is in Riverside County, which is east of Los Angeles. Uh, a convenience store owner is just minding his own business, working the convenience store, and some thugs bust into the store with a gun, with a pretty gnarly looking gun. And they assume they can just rob the store, 
get out of there with the money, no big deal. They didn't count on the 80-year-old owner of the store pulling a total Clint Eastwood, a full-on Gran Torino, Dirty Harry, and grabbing his shotgun and blasting off the robber's arm. So we've got the footage from the store. The counter, Cope whipped out his hidden shotgun and blasted the suspect in the arm. As the man took off, another camera captured this. The suspects, after nearly leaving one of their own behind, sped off in a black BMW X3. He shot my arm off. He shot my arm off, which is funny because you can, it looks like he's still got his arm. Maybe it's just kind of dangling in the sleeve or something there. Feel good story of the day. I'm so glad. This man, this 80-year-old Clint Eastwood, did the world a public service. He didn't get off scot-free either, by the way. I think he had a heart attack as a result of this. Imagine you're 80 years old, guys bust in with a black rifle to, to rob your store, and you have the courage and you have the quick quick thinking to grab your gun and blast him away. Still, that's a traumatic experience for anybody, even if you're 30 years old, especially if you're 80. I think he's doing okay, though. He did a courageous, wonderful thing, a real public service, because when criminals get away with acts of crime, that encourages more people to become criminals. And that encourages more criminals to commit more crime. And it just kind of blossoms from there. This was the premise of the, the broken windows policing policy in Giuliani's New York that worked like a charm. The premise was, if, if you see broken windows, you got to go, you got to go take care of that right away. You can't let the problem fester. If you see little acts of crime, if you see vagrants, if you see, you've got to stop that and arrest the criminals and clean it up. Because if you don't, pretty soon you're going to have much more severe acts of crime and it's going to be much more widespread. And that's, that's what happens. So when, when criminals think they can bust into a store and just rob the cash register and get away with it, you're going to see a lot more convenience store robberies. When, when Gran Torino over there shows up and blasts off the robber's arm, that sends a very healthy, important message, not just to the robber, whether he gets to keep his arm or not, but all, to all of the other ones as well. It's another reminder too, as the political order falls apart, as it is doing right now, we are seeing crime go through the roof. We are seeing our, our trust in our civic institutions collapsing. We can't even speak the same language half the time, not just because the libs are flooding the country with foreign nationals who don't speak English, but because the libs themselves don't speak English, they can't even tell you what a man or a woman is. As you see the political order collapsing, it is very important to be able to protect yourself. You just saw it down in Uvalde. The Democrats are talking about Uvalde as a way to attack the police departments, rightly so in the case of Uvalde and that, that elementary school shooting. And they're saying, we can't rely on the cops to come protect us. And conservatives are out there and they're saying, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We can't count on the cops. That's why we have to protect ourselves. I'm so glad you're making our point for us. I'm so glad you're making a strong argument for the second amendment. Yeah, you need to, you need to be able to have a gun. You need to be able to protect yourself. You need to be able to exercise your constitutional and civil and natural rights for that matter. More important than ever, speaking of our civil rights, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, has just filed an amicus brief in a racial discrimination case in the Supreme Court. Now you would think that the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, would be filing a brief to the court against racial discrimination. But you, my friend, would be wrong. The ACLU just filed a brief for the court in support of racial discrimination, specifically in support of a university's ability to discriminate against people of a certain race and to give an advantage to people of another race. 
We all know this happens. We all know that universities discriminate against white students and Asian students, and they give a, an unfair advantage to Hispanic students and black students in the admissions process. So there's a major case before the Supreme Court. The ACLU and the Libs are lining up. Perhaps if we think about it for two seconds, they're lining up expectedly on the side of racial discrimination. Here's the ACLU's own words. Breaking, we filed an amicus brief today urging the Supreme Court to protect universities' ability to consider race in college admissions. Ending these considerations would ignore our country's present-day racial inequality and threaten diversity on campuses everywhere. So what that means, that euphemism of consider race, that means that we're, we're defending universities' right to discriminate against Asians and whites and to uh, give, give extra bonus points to blacks and Hispanics. Everyone should oppose this for a whole host of reasons. Uh, one, because I, I, don't, I don't think most of us want to live in a society of a racial caste system. So that's the first part. Two, it isn't particularly helpful to the people who are getting the unfair advantage because the reason that there are admission standards at all in universities is so that universities know that the students can do the work. If the students get in when they're not prepared to go to the university, then they're much more likely not to be able to finish. They're much more likely not to be able to do the work. They're much more likely not to be able to achieve. They might take out a lot of student loans that they will not be able to pay off because they won't graduate from that college. College graduates have a hard enough time paying off student loans. Certainly people who flunk out because they never should have gotten in in the first place are going to have a much tougher time. Or the alternative is the universities lower the standards, which has happened in a lot of universities. Or the the alternative is universities create new fake academic departments to, to take care of people who can't meet the rigorous standards of the real academic departments. If you can't hack it in biology or mathematics or history or English for that matter, you can take some critical studies department, gender studies, blank critical studies department, and then it's a, it's a much easier department. You can, you can much more easily graduate. And then the university ceases to become an institution for learning and pursuing truth and becomes more of an indoctrination factory for leftist ideology because all of those studies departments are just, are just left-wing indoctrination centers. So that, that's not an ideal outcome either. It's in, on every single level, this is, it's bad for the whites, it's bad for the Asians. It's bad for the Hispanics. It's bad for the blacks. And by the way, it's, it's, it's bad for the black and Hispanic students who would have gotten in on their own merit, who then are looked at as affirmative action cases. Clarence Thomas wrote about this in his memoir. He said, I graduated from Yale Law School and I had trouble getting a job. And I had trouble getting a job because everyone thought that I was an affirmative action case. And it was there that I felt the sting of racial discrimination. And it was there that I, that I saw how worthless a degree would be under affirmative action. Clarence Thomas is one of the, the most brilliant and important jurists in our country, maybe in our country's history, certainly alive today. And, and he felt that sting because people looked at him as an, as an affirmative action case, rightly so, understandably so, because Yale, had a, Yale Law School, which is the school he went to, had a policy that gave a, a preference to black students and discriminated against whites and Asians. So it, it's understandable, but it's a bad, it's a bad policy. And certainly, certainly the opposite of what you would call civil liberties. Speaking of discrimination, LA County just ended its unfair discriminatory practice against illegal aliens. So 
You would think that illegal aliens would have no rights whatsoever in a country because they're foreign nationals who are not supposed to be there, who violated one of the most basic laws of a country even to get into the place. So they shouldn't have any rights and they should be deported, right? That's what you would imagine in a sane country. That was the case in America for most of our history. Now, however, you are seeing illegal aliens being given all sorts of political rights. But there was one holdout, even in liberal LA County, in liberal California, which was that foreign nationals, illegal aliens living in the country, could not take government jobs in LA. Makes sense, right? For a couple of reasons. One, it makes sense because they shouldn't be receiving a, a taxpayer paycheck if they are here illegally violating the law. But two, the government workers are the ones who are enforcing the law. In some cases, the government workers are, practically speaking, making laws. Most of our laws are not made like Schoolhouse Rock, I'm a bill up on Capitol Hill, and the people come together and they elect their representatives and the representatives deliberate. Most laws are just made by government apparatchiks in some bureaucratic department. And now what the rule is, in LA County is that foreign nationals can take those jobs, which means, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here, this is essentially the suicide of self-government in Los Angeles County. This is the, the representatives of Los Angeles County saying that the citizens no longer have special citizenship rights, that actually foreign nationals can enjoy those rights and privileges that citizens have and can actually make and enforce the rules on tax-paying, law-abiding citizens. This is how self-government dies. This is how self-government always dies, almost always dies. It's, it's usually not because of a foreign force just totally conquering a people. It's usually through suicide, and it's usually through corruption, and it's usually through an atrophying of Republican, lowercase r, civic virtue. And that has certainly happened. It's really noticeable in places like Los Angeles, but it's happened throughout the country. And that, that is how representative government, self-government in America will die. It will not be because China invades. It will not be because Russia invades. It will be because we give it up. It will be because we suicide our own self-government. Speaking of foreign affairs, before we go, John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesman, was just asked uh, by, I, I, I actually don't know, one of the few journalists, I guess, with integrity in that briefing, who, who pointed out that now the Taliban is running amok in Afghanistan ever since we pulled out, and they're doing all sorts of business with all sorts of terrorists. And they said, hey, hold on a second. I thought we weren't going to give the country over to terrorists. Here's what John Kirby says. We know that the Taliban was harboring the world's most wanted terrorist. You guys gave a whole country to a bunch of people that are on the FBI most wanted list. What did you think was going to happen? I take issue with the premise that we gave a whole country to terrorist groups. You take an issue with the premise, okay, but the... <laughs> that's a you problem because the premise is real. And of course, the journalist was Peter Ducey, the one journalist who asks tough questions in these briefings. Ducey comes out, he says, look, we just killed a top Al-Qaeda guy. The top Al-Qaeda guy was, was being harbored by the Taliban. You gave the country of Afghanistan to the Taliban just a year ago in this disastrous surrender in that 20-year-long war. You gave it to the Taliban who were harboring the terrorists in the first place in 9-11, which made us go into Afghanistan. What the hell did you think was going to happen? 
Fool me once, fool me twice. And he says, I reject your premise that we did that. It would be like looking at John Kirby, who's wearing a blue suit, and saying, hey, John Kirby, why are you bl- wearing a blue suit today? He says, I reject your premise. You, <laughs> you, you can reject the premise, but that by rejecting the premise, you are simply denying reality, which is what the Democrats are doing. And when you get to the point of an outright denial of reality, then politics really starts to break down. You can't even communicate with one another. You don't have a shared experience of reality. And it means that things are going to get a lot dicier. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire. Morning Wire. 